Today we have a special guest and we'll be answering some mailbag questions. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky, where we talk everything Hawks. Let's go! All right, so we have a special guest in the building. Um, We have... One of the hosts for ATLN 29, Mr. Glenn Willis. Glenn, it is a pleasure to have you on. It's great to be here. Uh, You guys, I've been, I listen to all your podcasts, doing great work. You guys cover everything. So comprehensive and and I love the passion. And uh, I, you know, as an older statesman, like I see you guys like learning every day, every week. And I think that's really cool. So join it. Yeah, thank thank you for coming on. It's awesome, awesome feedback that we're getting, and it's been it's been fun so far. So glad to have you on and talking all things Hawks today. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a blast doing this. Um, you know, something that you know I've always wanted to do, and, and finally got a, a chance to do it. So it's been awesome, and you know, to have everybody's support. You know, Glenn. You know, you you've definitely helped me. You know. I guess have that uh, kind of um, passion towards this and, and the way you break down games and, and stuff like that. And it's been awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's so neat for me to see younger people latch on to kind of the technical part of it. And, you know, and, and people will be like, oh man, like when you know so much, I was like, man, all of you guys know more than I did when I was your age. So you guys are like, by the time you get to where I am now, you're going to be like a, past past where i am now so it's so cool to see so many people gravitate to that part of the game that's the part of the game that interests me the most i think that's kind of obvious in in how i talk about it and all that sort of stuff i just love seeing seeing uh more people kind of dig in on that side so it's very cool yeah yeah for sure um especially with this hawks team they're with with the couple seasons they've had last year and the start and start to really the third of the season this year uh, there's a lot, lot of discuss with that, lot to discuss with that, especially uh, on the bad side, unfortunately. As we start to get into it here, yeah. Um, starting this out, Glenn, I wanted to ask you, what was your, what's your overall thoughts so far? As we said, the Hawks are on a two-game winning streak. Jalen Johnson is back. What are, what are your overall thoughts so far on this season? I mean, I still think they're better than the record, I, and I think that if you look at all, I mean, I, I like to use both eye tests. I, I hate we overuse that, but to simplify right and stats stats are very informative right and a lot of the statistical indicators suggest they should have won more games than than they have um how good are they man it's for me it's hard it's hard for me to say right now because they're, they get in their own way a lot uh they seem to like they're in their own head in the fourth quarter they'll play great for three quarters and then go into a mode where it looks like they're trying to not lose you know, and as opposed to like just staying aggressive and, and all of that. So, um, you know, people on, on Twitter challenge me and I welcome that. I'm not above being challenged and saying like, I think you're wrong about this or whatever. 
I still think they're better than their record, but you know, a lot of a lot of Hawks fans are vocal about the fact like this team sucks, this team is going nowhere, this team is a bunch of losers, you know, whatever wording you hear that day or that night after the game. The first 10 minutes after a loss is brutal, a brutal place to be. I still try to be there and kind of engage some. I probably need to maybe pull back a little bit for 15 minutes or so or whatever. Um, but I, I still think they're going to do better than they have the rest of the way. I, I don't know if there's enough. This seems wild to say in every January, but I don't know if there's enough season left to like really avoid the play in. You know, it's going to have to be a real run to kind of get to that level. And I think that's disappointing for Hawks fans. I think that's disappointing for the players themselves. I think, you know, they, they expected more. It's disappointing for the organization. They want it better than this. Uh, so the, it's just a matter of, you know, can they get Hunter back? Is, is, you know, when, when is Hunter going to be back? Can they the rest of the guys stay healthy? Those are the things that are going to kind of determine that, right? So I still think they're one of the better teams, uh, above average team in the Eastern Conference. Which should put you in range that like six getting six seed or so is not crazy for a team that's kind of in that place, but they haven't played to that level for any of the much of the season. Any of the season, they've had like a few like three to four games. I think like two stretches of like three to four games where they've looked like a team that's maybe starting to get there, but they haven't sustained it at all for any meaningful portion of the season for sure. Yeah, and I think like you pointed out about Hunter and with the starting lineup. This team, I read a stat, I think it was maybe four to four, three, four days ago. Uh, they had about a 19th or 20th in defensive efficiency with the starting lineup of Jalen, Dre, Capella, and then obviously you got Trey and DeJounte. So with this team's offense, that number in and of itself should be enough to say, okay, you're, you're going to lack a little bit on defense for sure. But having a top five offense with you know the 20th ranked defense, that should be enough to get you into the playoffs. But, again, you can't rely on your starting five to be healthy uh, for the entire season. And I think that's what you've seen a lot uh, out of this team so far this season. Yeah, yeah and yeah, you still like to see them have a defensive lineup they could go to, you know, late in the game, subbing offense, defense, situationally, possession by possession. And that's still not there. I mean, with Hunter, you have more something to work with. But, um, you know, it – We'll see if they make a roster change that helps them with that end of the court. It's it's harder, I think, than people think to make a trade in the middle of the season. It's really hard. Teams are locked into their cap sheet. They're they landed on a they landed in a certain spot cap sheet wise, tax wise, very much on purpose. <laughs> and it's hard to undo that in the middle of the season unless you know you know you get a superstar that's forcing himself out like James Harden does every year. You know something to trigger the ripples in the market and. And that kind of stuff. So it's hard, but I, you know, all, all their reporting suggests they're trying like crazy to to see what they can do. I think the Hawks have the talent to be maybe a five or six seed. Um, unfortunate circumstances have, you know, with injuries have kind of dug them a, a pretty deep hole they got to find their way out of. But something that's really been concerning to me, and me and Mikey have talked about it countless times, is um, players have playing half games where you have DeJounte's even last night, DeJounte has four points in the first half and then, you know, plays really good in the second half. And, you know, normally that's backwards where he plays really good in the first half and the second half, he just really doesn't show up. And that's the only thing concerning with me, definitely with the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, there's plenty of problems that, um, 
most likely are going to have to be be fixed with you know roster construction most of the time. So, um, you know, I, I think they they could be in a spot where, um, you know, maybe there is a move coming. You never know. But you know, going into uh, a different question, what improvements have you seen them make over the last two games? Yeah, I mean they they've been a little bit more solid defending the middle of the floor. Um, and they still get exposed, you know, the weak side corners and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, they've been a little bit more connected defensively. Um, and, you know, and like Oklahoma City was trying to run, like the whole first half, they were trying to run middle pick and roll. I was surprised they didn't use more five out because um, that, that really does seem to kind of stress the Hawks and their kind of current construction. But I, I just, I think they're kind of, they should they look a little bit more back on task. The strange thing was in the second half, like they didn't want to defend Shea, right? Like it looked like they just didn't want to foul him, you know? And so a lot of the things that they showed in the first half, like an, one more iteration of this, one more version of this disappeared in the second half, right? And there's like, there's so many weird things going on, like with the way the game is being officiated across the whole league right now. Like, I mean, we've talked about it uh, in different places, how they're really like kind of like allowing hand checking you know kind of come back yeah. as long as you're using your forearm and you're staying kind of around the hip you know lower back you know lower rib cage area but even if you're in a legal guarding position they're not letting you kind of create any kind of body to body con they're calling everything in terms of body to body con and it feels like i don't know do you guys feel like that's been a change that's been like in the middle of the freaking season <laughs> like I, I don't remember that being the case the first like month of this season it just feels like that's a change and the, the the primary point being like if you're already challenged defensively when another variable kind of shows up the weaker defensive teams are going to be the ones that have the kind of the hardest time with that um so but the, no i mean I, I think they benefited a little bit from playing drop for a while they had to do that while they were without Jalen and hunter um but the execution still is super inconsistent and Across the first half against Oklahoma City, uh, you know, last few recent games across the first half, it looks better. And I don't, they just get, I don't know, just distracted or off task or ex execution lanes in the in the second half on defense too. You you mentioned you mentioned um, the, the drop coverage, and I want to bring that up a little bit because in the in the Cavs in the game against the Cavs, the most recent game with Jared, Jared Allen absolutely went crazy on the Hawks. Oh, the, the Hawks completely avoided drop coverage in that game. Obviously, you know, with Donovan Mitchell uh, at the guard position there, elite score. But when uh, the Hawks' bigs, either Capella or Kangu, is going high on that screen to limit the ball handle from turning the corner, do you think it's been most more of a problem of, okay, the Hawks' back line is, is just not big enough or not just, like, defensively there to, to make it tough for that entry pass into the middle? Or is it – you know, with Hunter and Jalen, if they if they ran that consistently, it it would be something they could pull off because of the size and kind of the connectivity that those two have more than say a Sadiq Bay or Garrison Matthews. Yeah, it's such a great question, Mikey. Um, you know, for me, I feel like if you sat Quinn down and made him give you an honest answer, like somehow magically get him an NBA. It's not just Quinn to get an NBA coach to be transparent about what he's doing. I, I think what he would say is chasing ball handlers over screens might be the most exhausting task on the NBA floor in any given game. And you have a backcourt where all of the offensive workload, all the offensive usage is steered towards Trey and DeJounte. And so that's, then you, on top of that, Quinn 
kind of plays the eight man rotation, <laughs> yeah. you know, in, in some games. And so I, I think workload management for his guards is probably a part of that. He might also say that, well, I mean, you need size to chase over screens effectively too. And the Hawks obviously are, don't have that in their, in their guard play. And then when you look at where guys, which guys are going to play more minutes, like Trey, DeJounte, Hunter went healthy, you know, Jalen more and more, and where he's splitting time, he like he'll split Clint and Onyeka right down the middle, 24-24 in some cases, right? Go pretty close to it. And so if you're creating more defensive activity, more defensive workload, steering that towards the position where you're splitting time 50-50 makes, makes way more sense than at, posi- at positions where you're going, you know, 36-12 or whatever that might be, right? And so I, I, I think part of it is just a strategy of, you know, we got 12 fouls there and they're getting 24 minutes each. Let's get them up the floor supporting these small small guards. Um, so they use that show coverage so that your guards and wings aren't constantly like chasing over screens all day long. I, I can't imagine that's where Quinn actually wants to land in the in the in whatever in whatever in state they land on with the roster or whenever that is, you know. But I feel like right now he's like, okay, workload, if, if workload is dictating this, my center position is where I'm splitting the time most evenly. So that's where I'm going to steer the most defensive kind of effort, you know, the, the more effort, um, higher effort tasks towards that position. That's that's That'd be my guess, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So, so I got a really weird stat I wanted to throw out here to you. The Hawks have held a 10-point lead in 22 of their 33 games. They have lost nine of those games. What is something – I know the Hawks have been having fourth-quarter meltdowns. Um, what is something that the Hawks could change defensively to help them uh, close out these games a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, like – Quinn finally has been turning to Trent Forrest, you know, who didn't really help on Shea. Like, I mean, he kind of helped on Shea, you know, but um, it, it's, I mean, this is the, like, Hawk, it feels like 90% of Hawks fans just hate DeAndre Hunter, you know. I, I know there's love for him here, you know. His, he's such a great defensive organizer. He's an exceptional team defender. And sorry, but Sadiq Bay is just never going to be that, right? Like Bogey is a professional defender, but he still has like a couple of like serious flaws, you know, and just his athleticism and 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 things like that. So so for me, it's like, what's the solution? I, there's, I mean, there's not one, you know, and unless Hunter's back healthy, that that's your starting point, and that's still not enough, right? So, they, I mean, this team has to lean on their offense. They have to lean on their offense. And the key to winning these close games and, and winning these games where they have a lead is just to stay super, super aggressive. What did we see last night? It felt like, what, seven or eight minutes left? They start bleeding the clock, which turns into a garbage shot with four seconds on the shot clock. It's like, s- stop doing that. Like, like you're winning with your offense. Just go attack you know, with your offense and keep, keep, keep putting pressure on them. And so I feel like they kind of step into a pattern of, Terrible shot. Now you got to get back on defense. They're not. They're not the most equipped team in transition defense. And all of a sudden, now Shea's you know getting this you know six foot floater over and over or whatever. 
and now they set their defense and it's just like a a cyclical kind of set of factors that they start that starts with trying to take a lot of shot clock and getting a terrible shot. So I if if you had, if I had one thing, that's what I would be like: just run your normal offense and, and act like you don't have a eight point lead with four minutes to go or whatever. It's it's funny that you said that because I pretty much I said before we actually came into uh, to start the show uh, in a space I was like, you know how if you're playing a pickup game and the score is like fifteen to fourteen, you're going to sixteen, and your team you have to get the absolute most perfect shot. Can't turn the ball over. Can't make a risky pass. You have to get the most absolute perfect shot uh, to win that final point at 16. It feels like the Hawks are trying to do that uh, on offense. And when, like you said, their defense isn't good enough to, you know, probably consistently get spot stops late in games, especially when the game slows down without Hunter, then may, you you should slow the game down a little bit, not go crazy fast paced like, you know, Quinn wants them to most of the game. But overall, it just feels like. They're tr- they're trying to slow it down to a halt, and that favors other teams that are just better at half court defense. So like, yeah, it's, it's a yeah, it's the fourth quarter. Everybody's tired, and you're letting the other team's defense stand stationary for like 17 seconds. Yeah, and 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 letting them defend for like seven seconds. That's not. I just think that's not what you want to do. Yeah, so that that's the pattern I would address. Just you know, run your normal offense. Stop giving the opposing defense a chance to stand stationary for 16, 17 seconds in the fourth quarter when everybody's tired. Make them work the whole possession. Um, I think it all starts with that. It all the, for this team, it all starts with their offense. And when they start getting into habits and getting into offensive patterns that don't serve them best, I think it kind of becomes a a circular set of um, you know, challenging, unnecessarily challenging kind of patterns of things that they're putting into motion with that. So, you know, it, I, I mean, you know, NFL season is about to wrap up here. It's like when I watch an NFL game and a, a team is up 28 to 10 with, you know, almost at the end of the third quarter and they've been pressuring the other team's quarterback the whole game. They're like, okay, let's go back to, you know, soft cover four, put eight guys in coverage. And all of a sudden, the other quarterback, the other team's quarterback, just gets a rhythm, and it's, it's kind of a bit of a parallel to that. We're just kind of taking your foot off the gas, easing off, stop doing the thing that got you the advantage to where you are in the game. Just keep doing that same thing over and over. So that's, it, it, honestly, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not an emotional sports watcher, but I've had a harder time with like not letting frustration kind of enter my watching <laughs> experience this year. This is such a frustrating team to watch this year. There's no way around that, right? And I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, then you start like, Trey's got a shoulder thing, and you know, he, you know, he's probably dying by the, by the time the fourth quarter gets there, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there are variables that aren't known to people watching the game, but just from a process standpoint, I, I think that's the thing that sets them down the bad path. Yeah, and I think ISO, like, when they get in that ISO set and, you know, the fourth, for me, when they slow it down and get away from the offense, I've never been a big fan of ISO ball, but also understand that trade creates probably the biggest mismatch with anybody on the floor. But for me, do you think Sadiq Bay shooting better from the corner would um, – 
you know, promote the offense probably to to run a little bit more on its normal schedule than than slowing down and you know running the ISO stuff because like he was shooting the ball so efficiently last year from the corner and it just seems like this year um, it's kind of flip flopped where he, he he's not really you know somebody you could definitely lean on in that rotation to to hit that shot. It's a huge missing piece on offense, and I think it really shows up down the stretch. It's a great observation. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny. It's one of those things where, like, I'm like, I don't know this, but I'm sure of it. It's like one of those things, you know. Mm-hmm. When when they were without Jalen and Hunter, like, I know, I'm sure, I should say, I'm sure Quinn went to Bay and said, "Look, uh, Wes Matthews can't drive." Bogey, I mean, Bogey can kind of drive, but it's not really what you want him doing over and over. That's not his best shot creation. So, Sadiq, you got to be the one, you got to drive the basketball and kick out to Bogey and kick out to Matthews and, you know, kick out to whoever else, you know. And and I feel like he embraced that and, and kind of, you know, got into a role. And he's pretty good at it. I mean, for a guy who's really has no elevation skills as far as I, as far as I could tell, right? And under the rim kind of guy. You know he 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 embraces contact. He'll get to the free throw line. He's he's somehow you know a pretty reliable finisher in that area. But I feel like it's, it feels like as start as as soon as he started to do that, his shot was tanked immediately. His perimeter shot just disappeared. Yeah, and I mean, it, yeah. So so I mean, now that Jalen's back and can Jalen can you know hopefully kind of be the person who's attacking the paint or working in the short roll or you know all those things that Jalen's so wonderful at. I'm like every time he shoots, I mean, and again, I, I'm not a person I'm, I'm watching analytically, but because I, I feel pain for like what these players must be experiencing this season when, when Sadiq is putting up a shot, I'm like, for him, like, please go in, you know, please like this. He needs, he needs to see the ball go through the, go through the net, you know? And it's a, it's a huge missing piece. I mean, what, go back to the Miami, the playing game against Miami. I mean, Quinn just threw, heavy doses of bogey plus bay out there and they absolutely smoked miami mm-hmm. in that configuration that was one of some of their better lineups offensively in the boston series too you know and i think for this team to be at their best offensively they need the chance to throw two elite shooters out there and both and bay hasn't been an elite shooter for what th- three four weeks like how long? i mean it's been a while it feels like it's been a while now and yeah i mean you have to think it's going to come back he's he's such a pure shooter but I don't know. It's one of those things where he's like, okay, I got to stop taking perimeter shots and start attacking the paint to help my team. And now it's like, oh man, do I still know how to shoot? This guy has got to be in there somewhere. And I, I hate to, I hate to do this comparison, but like the stat that you brought up, Tim, about you know 10, 10 plus point of leads in twenty two of thirty three games, and and we were talking about the roster construction a bit earlier. I hate to do this comparison, but you know the, the Pistons roster should not be. Two and and thirty, I think they're two and thirty-one or what, what, whatever their record is. I the Hawks should not be at the record they are either. That just on paper, you don't you don't think that this team should be fighting to get into the ninth and tenth seed at the plane at the moment. Now they're in the plane now after the win against OKC, but that's just on, on paper. You just would never thought I would have never thought at this point that the Hawks would be fighting to stay into the plane. Yeah, I mean it's uphill, you know, from here, and they're gonna have to be better, yeah, a lot better. Yeah. 
And and it's one of those things like, okay, here we are, middle of the third quarter. They got an 11-point lead or whatever, and it's like it feels super fragile, <laughs> you know. And, and and teams go through stuff, but, man, this has been an extended kind of uh, pattern around this. So hopefully they'll – Hopefully they'll figure it. It's like when you look at the schedule, like the rest of the rest of this month, it's not an easy schedule. And so, sometimes that can be helpful because it like forces you to like really check your habits and really check your discipline and 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 all that sort of stuff. I, I think sometimes when you're in the middle of a funk, going to play Washington, who you know got Kyle Kuzma shooting the ball over the court and Jordan Poole doing whatever, and um, and I mean I'm picking on those guys. Those are you know. Kuzma's a pretty good basketball player, but he's you know just kind of kind of funny in the context he's in right now. Then going into Detroit, I, I feel like I feel like those games, you're like, oh man, we need a win, and so it's a good opportunity to get a win. Uh, but I don't I don't know that that they challenge you in the way that good teams challenge you to get better. And I don't know, maybe I'm trying to kind of talk myself into this a little bit, like for their sake, uh, maybe these you know game this 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 tough stretch they have coming up will help them focus on like refining their play in the areas that matter most in terms of them winning or losing games. Yeah. And something, you know, with the Detroit part, it's, you don't want to be that team that loses to Detroit. And I felt like during their losing streak, every team was like, no, they cannot break the losing streak on us. We have to keep it going. We don't want to be that team. And, like I feel like you know their their roster construction is pretty bad, but you know something for the Hawks is they really got to you know step on the gas right here. I, I feel like this is a good chance for them to get back, you know, kind of level, maybe get back to five hundred, and and you know it's going to be a long uphill fight for them to to get where they want to be. So it's going to be a tough one for them. But one bright spot that I want to talk about is Jalen Johnson. And, you know, <laughs> if you go on Hawks Twitter, you are going to see Jalen Johnson highlights everywhere right about now. Um, I think every fan is about jumped on board. Um, I, I love the, the kid. I, I think he's got a, a promising future for the Hawks. Um, you know, Glenn, what do you think is the next step for Jalen? I, I, I think it's tied to him – feeling empowered to be as a great, like for there to be no limit on his aggressiveness. Right. And it's, it's, sometimes you have to empower yourself. You know, I mean, we like Jalen is a amazing passer, especially for his position. Mm-hmm. Right. But there are times when like, there's a six, three guard in the paint by himself and Jalen will kick the wide open bogey in the corner. It's like Jalen, you just need to go dunk that ball right on top. You know, you know, that, but but he's he's a really well-rounded young player and can handle and can pass and can really dominate with you know his vertical skills kind of at the rim and in the paint and stuff like that. And I think that I think it's like for him to go, oh, I'm like one of the ten best players in the league at attacking the rim. You know, I need to do that more. I need to do that all the time. Um, and and to be situationally aware of when there's someone like Mitchell Robinson standing in there. Okay. Maybe, you know, bogey's wide open the corner. The, the right decision is, is to kind of kick it out there. You got CJ McCollum or, you know, some kind of small guard and they're just, I mean, the, it's a no brainer. And so, so for me, it's like, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't, 
I'm, I'm using this as an extreme parallel. Like all the years, like LeBron was criticized for like passing the ball on last possessions and making the right play and stuff like that. There's a little bit of that and kind of what Jalen is doing. Like, hey, Bogey's wide open in the corner. He's like, when he's wide over the corner, what is that? A, like a, I don't know, 60% shot or something like that, you know? Yep. And that's worth three points. But, but for, and maybe kind of when he's fully realized that's maybe the right play in some cases. But right now, I think he doesn't understand like that it takes reps attacking the rim, attacking the paint and being just absolutely vicious with that skills that he has to do that. It takes repetitions to um, acclimate to the timing of the defender trying to get in front of you and take a charge the help the timing of the help defender showing up the, what are the defensive scrambling to kind of get into the paint, you know, and then he just needs to do it over and over and over and over. And I hope that his teammates are telling him just go do it. I hope it's go over the coaching staff is telling him just go do it. So to me, it's like at the end of the game, like I, I, I want a coach to be like, Jalen, did you get up 20 shots today? Cause you didn't get up 20 shots. That wasn't enough, you know, and he still might be like eight for 13 with eight assists and, you know, 11 rebounds, but it's like, no, like you are the one guy that can generate shots at the rim, very high percentage shots at the rim for us in almost any situation. So I, I, I just think more offensive usage and more aggressiveness and, and just kind of really believing in himself and leaning into that is that's the next thing. And that that's what will get him to, to me in like a quasi all-star level yeah. is that Anyway, if I, Jalen at the game, if I don't score, if I didn't score twenty five tonight, whatever number you want to throw out there, not good enough. Jalen could put up twenty five every night if he's aggressive and getting the right opportunities and, and all that sort of stuff. And the little kind of that's one A, all that's one A. One B is that stuff really helps Trey. That stuff really, really helps Trey. And and so that's that's to me where it is. Trey, Trey, especially like you brought up that point because Jalen really is the only guy other than Trey that can consistently put pressure on the rim at an above average level uh, on this team. And when when he was out, a lot of times uh, the Hawks were shooting enough threes, but a lot of times teams just wouldn't wouldn't be wary of okay, you know, when DeJounte's in or, or Sadiq Bay is on the floor, Bogey can do it some, but when those guys are on the floor, they're not going to put enough pressure on the rim to make make worry about it. Quinn Snyder loves the shoot threes. Okay, the other coach is going to be like, oh, we're, we're just going to crowd the three-point line. They don't really have the guys uh, that can put the necessary pressure on the paint. But when Jalen and, and Trey run that pick and roll, and on the short roll especially, like you noted, it's it makes so much of a difference. And back to Tim's point earlier, if, if Jalen goes and makes that the right decision on the short roll, you got Sadiq Bay in that corner where he can make that shot. You got Bogey. And and the more that more that happens with Jalen, the 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 better this offense is is just gonna get. Yeah, and, and the and the one C is, yeah, I I think most of us think Anyaka has that short roll skill set too, and I, I just but I think he needs to see see someone doing it, you know, because there's no one else like you know Clint can't do that, you know JC was what, a C plus on a good day at that stuff, right? I mean JC, I love JC, but you know. That wasn't, you know, where he was doing his best work, you know, and that sort of stuff. So I, f- I feel like even Trey, like getting like reps with Jalen, it's like, oh, Jalen's off, but Onyeka's on. We can still do the short roll stuff, and and so I think them just kind of leaning really, really kind of into that with both of those guys 
helps a lot. And, and I think Jalen kind of taking the lead is is a way to kind of show Onyeka like this is how we do it. You know, and him, um, is not. Yeah, Onyeka's got great touch. I mean, I, I mean, he's still he's not on Jalen's level, but he's got the ability to handle and pass, and he's got he's got good touch on the, the floater and kind of getting to the rim and stuff like. Jalen should just like duck on everybody, but you know. Um, Unless there are two defenders there or whatever, so so I, I that's that's to me that's where it is and and it, it's funny like you know recent pod I did with Kevin and and Tyler joined us so talked about the fact that Jalen has to be prioritized and that's not good news for Dejounte. No, no, it's you definitely know. not. Yeah, so I mean I appreciate Dejounte. Dejounte is a really good player, but uh, Jalen needs to be the second offensive priority right now. In my in my view, and that doesn't mean that Dejounte is not helpful, but you know, so yeah, I mean, for for me, like the other night uh, against OKC, um, seeing Jalen have the same amount of attempts as Dejounte is, is showing that Quinn Snyder sees that as well, and that's something that you know me as as a Hawks fan, I, I love seeing that because you know. Something I wanted to move into is um, one of our mailbag questions. I, I really like this one because the reason I say that is, you know, we talk about building a team around Trey and the, the fan base is starting to change their outlook is how can we build a team around Trey and Jalen? Because, you know, he's that piece that nobody wants to move now, that he's that inseparable pair with Trey Young. Um, you know, the question is, if you could choose an obtainable piece to pair with Trey and Jalen uh, that maximizes the roster, who would it be? And that's from Cornwise. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I go back and forth on this in a way, right? So I think – I think. Um, I think, you know, Markinen, I don't know if he's actually available, right? I don't know what Utah's going to do. Danny Ainge is a weird, like, you know, head, head front office guy. It's obviously did, did a lot of good stuff in Boston. Like, I I don't know how he ever got a job again after what he did to Isaiah Thomas, you know, after he played hurt in a play. I, I just felt like all the negative karma, you know, you could want there. But, I mean, on offense, Markinen would, I mean, good grief, you know. His ability to kind of shoot the ball, um, but then you you maybe do you run into some of the same kind of defensive limitations that are there? I mean, I think Markin's a, a better defender now than he, he was when he was younger, and um, so on the flip side, you got Siakam and Siakam. If you're so, it's like, what do you want? A, a stretch big like Markinen, or do you want a guy like Siakam who can attack seams? over and over and over and over and be another guy that like Jalen's not on the floor. We got another guy who can just get to the rim at will, you know, and, and take advantage of all the space that's created by Trey. Like when DeJounte attacks the team, he still ends up kind of getting to a 14 foot pull up, like a, a lot of cases or a floater. That's not his best shot, you know? Um, so, you know, for me, I like, you have to kind of factor price, but I, I'm more intrigued by Siakam because I want to see this team have the ability to play with force that they don't have right now. And Siakam absolutely can play with a ton of force. I I mean, Markham would be a great get too, but I, I think, I think I, I think I would lean towards the Siakam for me right I'm now. I'm the same way. I Siakam. I people, the, the first, the first thing that, you know, people who want Markham uh, over Siakam would maybe say is, is Siakam can't stress the floor as much. And that's obviously true, but 
at the same time, this year Siakam's not having a good year from three, but he's not as bad as he is not as bad as he's shooting now from three. And I think given his ability to, like you just said, keep keep attacking over and over again, and and also an underrated thing is his ability to dribble from the top of the key and turn that into a post up. No, nobody on this team really uh, could do that. And if, if if you get and if you get Siakam on that team doing that, you've got you've got shooters. Uh, depending on who you give up, I don't think Bogey would have been included in that deal. I don't think Dejounte, who's shooting career from three, he's been great as far as the adjusting to that three point shot. So you still got Trey, Bogey, Dejounte, um, Bay potentially, Onyeka Kangu shooting more threes. Buff Buffkin, Seth Lundy is obviously going to be there, and Mo Gay's a shooter if if we if we ever see him uh, come this come play this year. So I think there's enough shooting to where you you could say CS Siakam Siakam is that guy for this team. Yeah, anyone who says marketing, that's not crazy at all. No, it's yeah. not at all. But but Siakam is just my answer. For I mean, I, I just feel like around Trey, you want guys who can play with force. And I feel like they have those perimeter shooting. Um, so long as Bay kind of regresses back to being the shooter he's been. And I just think they need more force, you know. And I mean, you know, you watch Clint. Clint is not the same guy he was two years ago physically, right? It, it's kind of up and down the way he can give you physically night to night. And Anyaka is um, more of, I mean, more has a more, I, I hate the, I don't know if the word is perfect, but more of a finesse skill set, like a passer, floater, a great touch, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, and I think that's the thing that's missing is just like, oh, you're going to like trap Trey or you're going to double or you're going to, you know, bring show coverage on Trey. Like you got Jalen on one side, Brady's Takasim and Siakam on the other, like good luck, you know, in that case. And then and Siakam just plays so hard. You know, he, he plays really hard and he, and he really like switches into the floor quickly. He really is, you know, he's a fast you know, guy for his position. Um, I know he's been, I, 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 my understanding is the Toronto situation has been pretty tough for everybody the last, I mean, you know, last few years and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I'm sure it doesn't feel good to kind of get deprioritized a little bit in the pecking order up there. So yeah, that that's the way I'd go. Yeah, for for me, I, I love Siakam. I think that you know his ability to also play the small ball five um, yeah. kind of creates creates another aspect of it as well. Because then you have a couple guys. I think you could actually probably play Jalen as a small ball five every once in a while if you know matchup matchup dependent. But you know, I think that. His ability to do that, if you can make sure you have a, a good wing defender back behind them, I, I think, you know, you kind of set up the the 3-4 position for the next five years and, you know, Trey never has to worry about that position again. And, you know, moving on to the next one, I don't start rumors, but once they're out there, I, I do like to talk about them. Javante um, <laughs> Murray has popped up in some trade rumors and uh there's one where uh shams reported that the los angeles lakers are taking a look at Dejounte murray and also there was a report that the new york knicks were taking a look at Dejounte murray um you know Dejounte's fit on this team is a little wonky um as we all know Dejounte was a point guard coming into atlanta um and i feel like Maybe with his usage possibly going down, you know, maybe maybe Dejounte might not want to 
be in Atlanta. Um, and, and that's, you know, really hard to say because of the price that Atlanta paid for DeJounte Murray, um, not only in the contract extension, but the assets they used. Um, you know, what do you think? Uh, for, for me, the Lakers, uh, I don't think they have enough that the Hawks would need to, to really go out and, and get something. Um, for DeJounte, but the Knicks, they're, they're flush with picks and, you know, a, a couple young talented guards that, you know, could really change up this roster. What, what do you think about these trade rumors? I mean, I, I think to a degree, they just make sense. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, by all accounts, like if DeJounte is interested in playing somewhere else where he can, be featured more and kind of do what he can do. I mean, he's right in the middle of his prime. I mean, a lot of players want the fullest opportunity they can get to kind of just show what they show what they can they can do. And and Desante is at times kind of a little bit limited uh, in that area, just because Trey is you know um, just a maestro on ball, right? Just there's it's kind of silly to think about taking the ball out of Trey's hands uh, and stuff. I mean, when I look at New York, um, I'm like. I mean, I, I really enjoy Grimes uh, a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned on, you know, when I was talking to Kevin and Tyler, like, it's weird to me that Achua is in that deal because he doesn't, he can't do the stuff at center that Tibbs wants. So, like, you know, what's going on there, you know? Um, it's and, and Achua could replicate a lot of what Quinn, I think, has in mind for Kongwu. He, he passes the ball pretty well. Um, he's an above average shooter for the position, I think I would say, and he, he can really cover a lot of space defensively. He can defend in space defensively. And so like, if we're starting there and maybe a pick or, or whatever else that looks like, I don't know if you have to take, you know, the Fournier's contract to get the money to work. Depends on kind of who's all in the deal and stuff like that. Right. Um, but that's more interesting to me when I look at the Lakers, I'm like, you, you, you try to squint, like see something like, is it really interesting? I don't think so, but you know, he's a big guy. He's, he's really skilled for his size and stuff, but that's like a second piece, at best, a second piece in a deal like that to me, you know? So um, yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, uh, I asked the question, do you think Grimes uh, fits better, you know, being a, a worse player, do you think he still fits better with the Hawks than what DJ does? Well, I think he helps them in areas that where the Hawks need help more right now than DJ, right? He, I mean, he is a really good defender, uh, and he doesn't have to have possess the ball to have value on offense. You know, he moves well. He, I mean, the ball doesn't stick with it. So he does a lot of the stuff that Quinn wants, like when the ball hits your hands, make a decision, you know, attack on the catch. I still think DJ has to fight his own instinct to do that. So on offense, just like the connecting, he he's a good shooter and he has that kind of connecting skills on offense. Grimes is not a better player than DeJounte Murray. So yeah. and I know, and I know that's why Ant worded the question the way he did, right? I'm sure of that, right? But I think so. I think you still need to extract more value in that situation. But but Grimes would be a, a tremendous fit for what the Hawks need. Good size at the two, can even defend some threes, um, and just has made himself into a good defender. And he's a he's um, you know, like all shooters, the shot kind of comes and goes sometimes. But I, I I trust him as a shooter completely. Yeah, Grimes. Grimes. I think I think you may see the Hawks get a little bit better in just terms of fit 
Yeah, and like you said, there's no in no way, shape, or form is uh, Grimes a better player in a vacuum than Deshante Murray. But for what the Hawks need, I do think they might get better a little bit just because of that upgraded point of attack defense and the spacing. Dejounte, uh, for for all for everyone uh, who talks about him, he's I think he's done a really good job, especially adjusting to the three point game. But also as the season has gone on, he's gotten a little bit more comfortable playing off the catch, like you mentioned, uh, like Quinn is always preaching. So I I think. I think that Walt DeJounte, of course, is a good player. I do think that Grimes makes the Hawks just that little bit better uh, because of the point of attack defense. As far as the Lakers, yeah, like you said, you have to squint really hard to find something there. Maybe a deal around Reeves, Max Christie, and Vanderbilt. But even, even then, like, I'm intrigued by Christie. I, I, I like him. Especially, he's, he's a good shot-blocking guard, too, as well. But um, Reeves doesn't really suit the Hawks' needs, and Christie and Vanderbilt – uh, it's not enough just for what uh, for what DeJounte is going to give the Lakers, and they don't have a lot of picks either. So, yeah, the, the Knicks are, are definitely a more intriguing team than, than L.A. for me. Yeah, and something I wanted to move on to, uh, Xavier asks, uh, other than DJ, um, are there any other players you'd look to move on the Hawks? Um, for me, um, uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I've made it plenty publicly known. I, I am a big DeAndre Hunter supporter, but the knee is very concerning. So I think that if you have a chance to move his contract and still be able to upgrade the roster or get enough assets where you can upgrade the roster, I think maybe you make that move. Um, the other player that, uh, you know, you look at um, would be Clint Capella. I think that Onyeka um, is at the point now in, in his NBA career where, you know, he's about to go into his extension. You have him for really good money. Um, I, I think it's time to make Onyeka a starter. Yeah, I think Clint's at the top of the list, and I, I I admire Clint a lot. He's such a great teammate, and he plays hard, works hard all the time. But I think Anyeka's ready, and I think Anyeka's always going to be held back a little bit until he's just facing opposing team starting centers game in, game out. I think it's a bit of a disservice to his development to not let him have that opportunity. So I think I'll put him first. Uh, I think I think it's fair to, to call out all the soft tissue you know absences that Hunter's had. Uh, he's so critical. Like right now, like losing him off this team, like in a vacuum, is like just a nightmare because they need every ounce of defense they can get. But you know, if, if you're trying to kind of think about how to create a little bit more roster flexibility, kind of moving forward, I think that's something you have to be open minded to. Um, you know, around that, and the, and the third one is, I mean, kind of you know maybe off the radar is, what kind of contract does Sadiq Bey want to be on after this year? You know, and is that going to work? You know, for the Hawks, and so I think I think that's the the one. But I think I put Clint at the top, and it's kind of funny because I'm like, when I look at the Knicks, I'm like, Hardenstein can't be their like starting center in the playoff. Like they're 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 trying to be a serious team, right? And they're doing good work. Like getting Josh Hart was just fantastic, and the development of Grimes has been great, and McBride is coming along and and, and helping them, and DiVincenzo is an I you know. Um, and I, I always kind of Tibbs kind of always makes me laugh a little bit just in terms of how rigid he is and kind of what he wants. But I'm like, would they want Clint? Like, I mean, that, that seems nuts with like, I mean, but I mean, I don't think Mr. Robinson's gonna play. When is he gonna play again? He's out for the season, yeah, right. Well, they right. applied for they applied for that uh, missing clerics or yeah, disabled player exception, but um, then Leon Rose came out and said, you know, he may be back in eight to ten weeks. So I, I, don't, I don't know, like, they, they're nothing's confirmed on that yet. 
Kind yeah, of that's weird. But I mean, that it, it feels strange to think about like Clint going to New York, but like Tibbs, he wants to do something with this team like right now, you know. And so maybe the may I, I, I mean, D, could they send DJ and Clint like that. I mean, I don't know how you make that money work to make the salaries work, salary matching work around that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's I think Clint's at the top of the list. I'd love. I, you mentioned Clint going to New York. If if Hartenstein will come back in that deal to Atlanta, I'm a huge Hartenstein Hartenstein guy. Like, um, the, I don't know about a. I don't think I'm at the level of a of a Delon Wright guy compared to Hartenstein, but he's one of those guys, uh, along with you know Wright and the TJ McConnell for me that I, I love watching as far as just role players where you know if they got 30 minutes a night on like a bad team or whatever, I I think they'd be really good. And so Hartenstein, I don't think he'd get 30 minutes a night with them. Yeka here, obviously, but you know he's he, he's he's a player I love to watch, and I think uh, that that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Hartenstein's absolutely one of the best backup centers in the league for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you know we're gonna finish off the mail pod, uh, the the mailbag right here. Um, so ask if you could change one draft pick in the Trey Young era. What would it be? The draft position has to stay the same. All right. So for me, I'm going to go to the 2020 draft. And instead of drafting Anyeka Kongwu, I'm going to draft Desmond Bain to be next to Trey Young. And I think that, you know, as I as I take that draft pick, uh, having a guy like Desmond Bain next to Trey Young would be a seamless fit. Um, I think that, you know, if you could go back in time, do you make that pick? Eh, probably not, but that's the pick I would take now. Yeah, for me, for me, I'm gonna go into the same draft of trade 2018 draft. Uh, I'm gonna take Bruce Brown over Amari Spellman with that 30th pick. I think Bruce Brown uh, has definitely carved himself a role in the NBA now, where he's one of those um, bruiser defender type guys, where he plays a lot bigger than he is, and uh, he's the, the defensive reputation that he's built, and honestly, it, you can you can see it when when you watch him play. Uh, that would be a great either at the small forward position or or uh, shooting guard position next to Trey Young in, in this uh, current Hawks team, and he can shoot the ball a lot better now uh, than what he was coming into the draft. Yeah, I like that that draft too as an opportunity to do better, right? Um, and I mean, we have to say like. Just within a vacuum, like you take Jalen Brunson, like I mean, Jalen Brunson is an All Star. So, <clears throat> but with, with on a team with Trey, that that's yeah. I mean, take him like if you knew it, you know now, like take him and trade him or whatever, you know, you get some value from him. But the, that's mm-hmm. not. I don't think that's the exercise Ant intends to kind of have us work through. So I think for me is <clears throat> you know instead of Herder, I, I think DeAnthony Melton has a lot more value than Herder in the league right now. Melton does a lot of stuff that really shows up in winning games, right? His, he's, you know, can knock down shots. It's a great connector on offense, but his ability to defend at the primary, at the point of attack and be a primary on-ball defender for on a good team is super, super valuable. I still remember that, that draft, like, asking, because, uh, I, I mean, I, I prepare for the draft once the NBA season starts to wind down and the playoffs, there's not four games a night I'm trying to watch or, you know, whatever. And I, I was like, why is no one taking him? It was just, it's just, it was just kind of crazy, you know? And he fell, he fell so, so late there. Cause I, I thought he was the best on ball defender in that whole draft class the whole time. 
Um, and you know, I respect Herder, and I think Herder, I think Herder is a guy though that we've learned has to kind of be in the right situation to be at his best and to give provide the most value that he can. I think Melton is plug it. Like, I don't care what you're running on offense, I don't care what you're running on defense. Having a guy who you just put him on the ball and let him work, that having that kind of ability to just drop him into that key, key defensive role is is where I'd go. Yeah, he can play both positions too. He could play your six man point guard off the bench. And and if you got if you don't have a shooting guard that's better than him, you can just do like what Philadelphia is doing right now and just slot him there at the two. Yeah, that's that's a great pick. Yeah, and like in that situation, like you got Jalen Johnson and you want to kind of play through Jalen, like Melton's a perfect guy just to bring the ball up, kind of get you into your set and, you know, let Jalen kind of go to work. So he's just so configurable and so versatile. You can kind of just drop him into almost any any lineup and he's adding value. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I, I, I mean, I love watching the Sixers play. I know the Hawks fans that maybe don't want to hear that, like Embiid's flopping and falling down and all that sort of stuff. But, but, uh, I mean, D'Anthony Melton is one of the primary reasons I kind of go out of my way to watch that team sometimes. I really, really enjoy him. Yeah, um, for for watching Philly, it was a whole lot worse when Harden was there because then you have two of them flopping around everywhere. It felt <laughs> like it was more of a free throw contest than a basketball game. Yeah. But, you know, for me, um, Glenn, I want to thank you um, for, for jumping on and doing this with us and, you know, Go ahead and go ahead and plug yourself. Uh, what what do you got going on right now? And you know, you know, from from me and Mikey, I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. This was a lot of fun. Um, again, you guys, I mean, how many episodes are you guys done now? But oh, no, this is it's got to be close to close to twenty. Yeah, we're, we're right at twenty. Yeah, you, yeah, you got, you guys are killing it. You guys are doing an awesome job. You guys are Thank fun, you. really, really fun listening and and stuff like that. So, a great, great to have a kind of another good Hawks podcast in the mix, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Atail and Twenty Nine, Kevin and I do that two, three times a week, depending upon you know kind of what's going on there. Um, and if I can, it's kind of funny. He's in Atlanta and I'm in the Seattle area, and he's like, "Can we record this late?" I'm like three hours behind him. I'm like, man, that's too late for me. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, getting our schedule kind of lined up and all that sort of stuff is kind of fun sometimes. I, I start my work day at 4.30 in the morning. I, I work three hours before my team ever comes online. So I have a weird kind of schedule and stuff like that. So, but yeah, ATL and 29 podcasts uh, on Twitter at Willis underscore Glenn. You can kind of find me there, do technical breakdowns as much as I can and and stuff like that and just kind of chop it up with Hawks fans that are there. I, I There's nothing precious about anything I say on Twitter. You can tell me I'm dumb. You can tell me you think I'm wrong. You can tell me whatever, you know, it's like, it, they're the only people that get muted are people who are just certified Trey haters. And they're just hating on trade just to hate on. Like, I'm not, I'm not having that on my timeline. So there's probably like two or three people I think that kind of fall in that <laughs> category uh, otherwise, like I'm, I'm, I'm wide open to talk, talk anything with you, you know, and that sort of stuff. So I think it's a, I think it's a great way to kind of engage and interact. And when I can, like, try to jump in some of the spaces that you guys do and and stuff like that. It's, that my schedule is a little challenging for that, but I try to show up, you know, and be part of the community and and partake. And I mean, I think I think our little corner, the Twitter or Hawks, is super fun. There's a lot of interesting people and can get wild now and then, but that's just how people are and stuff like that. So yeah, podcast ATL 29 on Twitter and come talk to me. Yes. It's been, it's been really fun, Glenn. Thanks for jumping on. 
And I hope you guys uh, listening out there enjoyed this too. Definitely got some more stuff in the works. So stay tuned. And that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at TinWizard300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.